Imagine being asked about some recreational drug habits on a job application, and you had to realize that to be truthful, you have to admit to occasional indulgences. Would you lie, come clean, or just avoid answering the question altogether? Hey listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinoma Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, we pick apart a peer-reviewed and published social science paper, and we squeeze out the best bits for you, the listeners. What's up, Dan? I feel like I'm getting a nice, clean intro Absolutely. going there, man. Yeah. There's a lot of pee, a lot of good There was a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that as well, because I was a bit like, you seeing me hitting these peas, man? That- scripted like i've kind of got like a little thing running in my nice. head and i'm just a bit like okay let me make sure i just hit these bits of info and just try to yeah just think we're going let's hit it out the park man i'm glad that you revealed this <laughs> i see what you did there dan today's <laughs> article is one of my favorites uh, it's all about whether it serves us to hide information even when it maybe isn't sending the message about us that we'd like, is it better to go ahead and reveal that information or hide it? And I think that that is such an interesting question. Um, This research is conducted by Leslie John, Kate Barretts, and Michael Norton, and it was published in the Proceedings for the National Academy of Sciences, a.k.a. PNAS. We had a good laugh about PNAS already. <laughs> so we could not but giggle at that. I could <laughs> not reveal that. <laughs> I, why, okay, so let's, let's dive into it because there is so much to pick apart about this paper. And the first thing that is just so ironic that this paper is about whether it's better, I guess I'd say better, I guess that's objective or subjective, should I say, but whether it's better to hide or reveal personal information, which could be, I guess, pertinent to someone else's decision making. Mm-hmm. Yet all they've done in each study is hide and reveal information from the participants yes. to get a certain set of, I guess, like... Yes results i'm not gonna say they fudged the books but there is a lot of priming going on in this study we'll have to dig into that a little bit totally one of the things that i really love about um this study is how many different domains in which this question is really relevant so like for example if you're on an online dating um, site and there's just questions you're supposed to answer about yourself. And it can be things like, you know, do you smoke or, you know, do you um, hide sexually transmitted diseases from each other? It could be um, like on a financial aid yeah. form. Like, yeah. well, you, how much you earn? Like, yeah, what bracket are you in? And I love the idea that we sometimes have these intuitions about the right way to handle that. Totally. And we'll talk about some of those. Um, but the evidence that they present in all these different conditions is that hiding seems to provoke um, mistrust at the character level. Like, that you actually you condemn somebody's character when they hide. And what's fascinating about that is, so this, when we're talking about hiding or concealing information, so Dan mentioned this idea about you know, would you reveal to someone? So if someone asked you, like, you know, have you ever had an STD? Would you would you answer like, I guess, honestly, which is to say, oh, I have or I have not? Or would you say, oh, I'd rather not discuss that at this time. And the idea is that by choosing not to answer it, not only is there a a level of mistrust, but they're now going to perceive you 
in a worse light than someone who would just openly be like, yeah, I caught one or two things or yes. I have That's one right. or two things. That's right. It's almost like, you know that phrase, don't be a hater? Yep. The net impact of this whole study is like, don't be a hider. <laughs> yeah. It really is essentially <laughs> like... That you are only fooling yourself if you think that's helping. And really what it seems to do, I think, is say, not only do I not trust you, I wonder what else you'd be hiding from me. Yeah. And I was I was diving because we're gonna we're gonna really deep dive into into the studies that they they put together here. The other thing that I realized whilst reading it, so this is the third time that I have read this, the third time, Dan, <laughs> that I have read this study. I inflicted that pain. And it's not written in here. I guess I did my own deductive reasoning. I think partly why other people are seen as, while well, I guess another reason why it reveals the worst from you to hide information mm-hmm. is what you're indirectly communicating to that person is I don't trust you with this information. So it's not just that I don't want to reveal it but i don't trust you with it so it's like an indictment on someone who may have asked a a question that's pertinent to them that's relevant to a situation that you find yourselves in and what you're indirectly communicating is i have the information i do not wish to share it with you because i don't trust you and then the other person now is saying because you won't share it with me now they don't trust you as well they're like samesies yeah yeah, okay okay you want to play that game two people Play at that game. You know, it's actually the ex- it's the exact inverse of the whole research literature that shows that by revealing information that's kind of sensitive, you engender trust. Yes. That essentially by sharing, it's like saying, I know you only use this to help me and won't hurt me. And that sharing and giving is part of what creates a reciprocity that builds trust in good relationships. So what they did is they studied the sort of what happens when you hide. And that is a great, I think it's a great contribution. Yeah. It's a a fantastic contribution. And they also look at why people hide this as well. And I find that fascinating because when we talked about our, we, we did our gratitude episode and partly why I guess we concluded that people weren't sharing more gratitude is because once you release that, you can't necessarily dictate what the person does with it. And so you could, it's, I guess it's of even greater risk when you're now sharing something that someone could derive, I guess, negative connotations about you. So now you're a bit like, well, it, it makes sense for me to hide this information because by putting it out there, I don't know. So like the question that you opened up with about, you know, if you've got a job application form and they ask you about your, your, your recreational drug use, like when you think about it on a basic level, it makes sense just to be a bit like, I'm not going to divulge that information but by by i guess openly communicating that so if you have the option of ticking a box that says choose not to answer that's more detrimental than saying oh yeah i was stoned just last night yes it's like somehow yeah somehow somehow as we start to dig into these studies and maybe now is the time they were very clever in the way that they created the methodology And Mm. it allows really clean interpretations. And so, for example, the first study that I would bring up is they looked at these online dating forms and they aren't real. You know, they they create the forms. There aren't real people filling them out. But half of the people, they show a form that says, 
here's a bunch of activities and behaviors that you might do. And some of them are pretty damning. You know, they start off kind of at the level of, have you ever cheated on your tax return? Have you ever stolen anything worth more than a hundred? Then we start moving in toward, have you ever neglected to tell a partner about an STD? And the last one is, have you ever had a fantasy of doing something terrible like torturing somebody? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, so what they do with that information is they, they have two sets of groups. Uh, so they, they more or less manip- manipulate what the participants see. So you'll have one set of people who, given those five questions, they will receive a form which has got frequently ticked on all of these so when you're asked have you ever had a fantasy about doing something terrible someone's like frequently all the time yeah just on the way here. have you ever neglected to tell someone that you have an std that you're currently sub- oh frequently my lifestyle is it's wet and wild man like uh but I died at all. Yeah. so on all of these they're ticking frequently frequently so that's let's say half of the group receive uh no 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 everyone receives both yeah everyone receives both so then you now get another form which has got let's say frequently to the tax issue frequently to the insurance thing but then on the uh two of the questions so it was the um the stealing and the stds they they chose choose not to answer and then on the uh torturing one they were like frequently so now the participants were asked out of these two individuals who would you rather date now here's what the intuition is and first off i believe that in this each individual only saw one or the other. Oh, I believe we'll the, check there's like seven of yeah, yeah, there's, there's so seven, and they were but doing the a lot of. The important thing is um, the intuition would be if some people are saying frequently, okay, all of them frequently. Uh, that's like I'm a bad person, and I admit it. The other one is saying frequently on a bunch of them, but then some of them they're saying like I just don't. I prefer not to say. At worst, they're frequently. So the worst that they can be by not responding is frequently, which the other one's already admitted. Totally. So what's awesome is they find that people prefer to date people who admit to frequently having visions of torture. Yes. Oh, man. I was so <laughs> conflicted as well. Because I think, I think with, this, with this first one, I think they did get both and they had to choose who they would rather date. I think so. Because it says that there was about like 79% of participants chose to date the person who revealed. So the person who answered frequently to everything, uh, let's say like 80% of people were like, I'd rather date that person. Now, they've got their reasons as to why people would rather date that person. However, when I was reading some of these questions and I was looking at the person who ticked frequently, I'm like, hey, if that's only 24 hours of my life, I'm going to have like eight good stories after hanging out with this person. Like, <laughs> like, they like yeah, even if we never see each other again, I'm going to have eight good stories and I'm going to book myself into the sexual health clinic just to be sure as well. Like, <laughs> I was so conflicted looking at some of this oh stuff, especially... On the, on the dating front, but you did have 21% of people who would, for some reason, they would opt for the person who was withholding information yes. from them. Right. I don't know whether that's because they were what, optimistic that maybe it wasn't as bad or it's possible, or maybe they were just as bad in terms of like, as an individual, they were like, well, I'm probably the worst person I know. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you're withholding, I've probably done it or worse. So let's just have a drink. Um, that optimism one, I never checked my assumption there. That's a great question. I think the optimism one is potentially what I was believing, that if you're putting, choose not to say, oh, then maybe the question just offended them, but I'm, they, they probably aren't it frequently. 
That, that was what I was thinking about for those people. Mm. Um, they had these two other studies they did that I thought were really clever, where they wanted to rule out that this was not just an uncertainty effect. Meaning, yes. sometimes, if we don't have information then maybe we just can't make the decision as well. And so there's like an aversion that humans have to uncertainty. And it's totally. shown in a whole literature, for sure. It makes, it makes total it totally sense is. as well, yeah. So what they did is two studies where in one, they had the computer glitch out so that... Dan's doing air quotes, by the way, on glitch out. So just at the top, when I was talking about these guys, these, these trio, right, they are... They must be the bad boys of social science. Because uh, like... There was a whole bunch of stuff in here where I was a bit like, how do we think ethically what is going on here? Where like, <laughs> it's like you're going to invite participants and then they're going to, it's like you're, you've kind of put like, it's like you're handicapping them. It's like, I'm going to let you answer, but I'm going to restrict some of you mm -hmm. so that you're kind mm -hmm. of in a corner now. Yes. Okay, we are going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, getting ahead of of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I would have actually been a little bit Annoyed? Yep. Uh, just a hint at it. If you tell me something about cheating on somebody, and then you say you can either answer frequently, yes, or no answer at all. Perfect way of putting it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be a little upset. It's like, where's the honest answer? Yeah, where's like, the comments box? Yeah, <laughs> where's the we were on a break? Exactly. Where's the <laughs> where's the Ross and Rachel option? <laughs> <laughs> well. For this particular comment that I want to make, here's why I think it's important. If it were the case that by you ticking the box that said, choose not to say, and that just created uncertainty, then that would be an alternative explanation for why they wouldn't like it as well. What they then did with this clever computer glitch thing is they acted as though the people responded, but then the computer just didn't capture that information. Yep. And in these settings, what they found is that that was way better than when the person thought you were actively revealing it. So what it does is it shows that it's the intentionality that matters. So that adds a bit of nuance to it as well, because when you, when you take the first uh, experiment that they do, it's, it's creating a binary there where it's a bit like either you do this frequently or you're choosing not to answer. And what that does is it says you're either a hider where you will hide information from people or you're a revealer, you'll reveal all. By having this third option, what it does is it creates a bit of a middle ground where it's like, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure why I'm not sure. So I'm now not going to look at you negatively because that could be a, and in, in quote marks, a computer glitch. That's it. That's yeah. it. And that's what they found. That notion that you said it's a middle ground. What they found is that the computer glitch was less attractive than if you had revealed. Even though you might have answered, I frequently do these bad things. Yep. It's better to reveal it than get the computer glitch. But the computer glitch is better than checking the box that says, I choose not to reply. Totally. That's really cool. And in another one, if I'm remembering this right, check me if I'm wrong, they swapped it from being negative stuff that you had to admit to. They did. To positive stuff that you said, how often do you do that stuff? And that was things like what giving to charity. Giving and like blood. Maybe are you like a donor? Yeah, giving blood. Yeah. And, things, yeah. and so they found it again. And I actually found that to be, I believe this study is very strong for 
for a lot of reasons, but the idea that you are able to show the effect in this context and in that context, when it's a computer glitch versus somebody's alleged choice, when it's a positive set of things you're you're saying or a negative set of things you're admitting to by showing the effects again and again and again you start to at least i started to gain a real confidence that the effect is there totally and i thought that was really really interesting what what um which of the studies did you like the best like- I, I tell you what I, I definitely loved the dating study the best and i, I do want to jump into the other two as well my big gripe how can you do a dating study comprehensively with no photos? I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, it changes everything. Like, it changes yes. so much. Before you even, like, if you're, like, if you're chilling at a bar, you're chilling at a bar, I'm out with Dan, it's a Friday night, we're knocking back a couple of pints, I spot someone from across, and I'm like, yo, Dan, Hold on. give me five minutes. <laughs> like... All of these questions in these tick boxes, I'm not asking any of these. But my decision, whether or not to abandon you for five to ten minutes, or hey, depending on how how charming my my words are, I may not see you again that night, Dan. I may not be back. You sort yourself out. But that's like so much of that is on attraction. It's a, it's a definitely a personality thing, but it's an attraction thing as well. So I, I love that you're bringing this up. Um, in the scientific um, nomenclature, that would be called external validity. Ooh. And it's just the idea that maybe these results wouldn't totally generalize because the first and most important thing is that physical. Yeah. Is there some kind of a buzz or an attraction there? Yeah. What they have done, and this is scientifically clever, is they've removed that as a variable. They took out noise. But what you're saying is... I want the noise. Yeah, I want the noise. <laughs> I, want the, Life yeah, is noisy. I want the noise. Give me... <laughs> Give Bring me the noise. the noise. Yeah. I would have read this like eight times if they had like pictures of like different like men and women in here. And then I could really get judgmental and be a bit like, well, maybe if he shaved his beard or or maybe if she took her glasses off but or whatever other Hollywood tropes that they apply to make people look more or less attractive (laughs) Um, but yeah your question in terms of which was a so yeah the dating one I found the dating one quite exciting Um, and then the other one which I also found quite exciting was the well I guess there's essentially three of them so one is about dating there's another one which is about money I want to say it's pretty much about money and then there's another one which is about employment so before we get into it well I say more recruitment than employment because it's about the process of looking for work that's right it's looking for work and kind of seeking jobs and how much you're willing to admit and I gotta tell you that third one looking for a job is where they really nailed the idea of what we seem to think would work best, which is hiding information, versus what did work best, which was revealing. Yeah. And I think that we may or may not need to spend a lot of time on that, but in that area, in that domain, is where they had real people say, what do you think would be the best thing? What would you do? Yep. And they showed they were wrong. That on average, our intuition about the best way to get a job, which is like, I'll just hide that split. It actually would be better to admit that you did that. And and that's really important. I also think that with the money one, and maybe we'll cover that next. I don't you you pick. The money one's fabulous because it goes beyond intentions and what you report your perceptions to be. In this one, there's real dollars to be made and lost. Yeah. And that means that they're able to look at real behaviors and look at the cost of hiding. 
Yeah, let's jump into the cash then. Yeah. Yeah, let's jump into the cash one. So yes. the cash one, you have you have two groups of people. Uh, so um, I can't remember what they labeled them as in that terms of... doesn't matter too much. Like, yeah, tell yeah. Tell them about like, those clever economist games. I mean, that's what's so funny about this. Yes. These clever economists come up with these trust games. Yeah, yes, yes. So this one's all about trust. So you have, let's say you've got uh, 50 people in a room. You chop them down the middle. So you've got 25 of them on the left-hand side of the room, 25 on the right. They don't talk to each other. They more or less don't even see one another. So what they do is one group are going to have, uh, let's say, $5. Uh, and they're going to have them in singles as well, uh, which is probably quite useful if instead of being in a in a lab, you were in a strip club. It's like, don't give me all of these singles. So the idea behind it was, so let's say I've got $5 in singles. And for some reason, I'm in the lab and I'm not out having a good time eating chicken wings and... Uh, <laughs> And spraying my my monthly allowance on someone's so that they can afford to go to college. This is terrible. This is okay. I'm I'm spiraling out of control. So the the idea behind it is, if you're part of the group that have this five dollars in singles, you're now in, in a position where if you when you because you're going to have to give a certain amount of that money to the other group, so the group on the other side of the room, you're you're connected. So it's like a one to one transaction. You're essentially. Paired with somebody who you can trust or not trust. Totally. So, yeah. So, let's say I've got $5 and I, I've never met Dan before. I know nothing about him. So, the idea is if I give him, however much money I give him, they're going to triple it in That's transit. It. That's it. Then after what's tripled, Dan can give a certain amount back to me. That's right. So, I'm in a position now where if I give him all of the money, he now has $15. So, he could theoretically walk give, out of there. yeah he could yeah he could walk that, out with all that's of it what I would do, to be <laughs> that's just you know dan's like <laughs> dan's off to go make revealed. it rain i just revealed that <laughs> uh, but then the idea is that dan so now i have to trust dan so if i don't trust dan i could probably give him one dollar or nothing if i trust him a lot i could give him five with the idea that i might get like let's say seven and a half dollars back so in order to now prime or to give me some idea of what dan is like dan has been given a questionnaire and on that questionnaire he's either revealed information or he has hidden information and what the study then found is that when the people who had the cash got these uh these questionnaires back if people were hiding information from them, they were more likely to give them less money. So essentially, there's less trust there. It's like, I'm not going to give you five because clearly you're, mm -hmm. there's something that you're up to. I can't remember what the questions were. We'll this this is, like, um, yeah. They went back to those bad ones. They went back to the bad ones and they really forced their hands on this one. Yes. This is one of the ones where the researchers... Um, gave them the never, once, sometimes, frequently, or choose not to answer. And in half the people, they said, you only have two options, either frequently or choose not to answer. Yeah. And so right there, I would have been a little bit frustrated. But the important thing here is that the people who had to decide how much money to give back they were not told of that little trick. Yes. They didn't know that the hands were tied from their lens. Some people put frequently and some people put choose not to answer, but they didn't know it was forced. <laughs> so I don't know. There's a sense in which it was a real, 
it was a real decision or a real question that was answered, but then the way they tempered it changed the nature of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I guess this is this is one of the things I, I found interesting, and I mean interesting in the British sense, mm. where you're being too like, polite to... Crit- no, no, when you're being too like polite to be heavily critical. But I'm a bit kind of wary of the people's time, because essentially, if you're going to manipulate my answers you don't really need me there yes, you can it. just give that's the other person whichever answers you want to give them anyway yes, i'm not really needed yes. if i'm if i'm not allowed right. to be i think the only thing that it did, and i completely agree with that akin that i think you've just put your finger on why that's a little bit annoying when you read it I think the reason why they did it is because in the end, by having an actual dyad, it meant actual money was being taken out of the system. Yeah. And that way they're able to price concealing. They're able to put a cost on concealing. Ah, that's a great point. uh, It doesn't. Here's what it was, though. They found that statistically, significantly, and somewhat substantially, those that sort of were hiders got less money coming back to them and they gave less money. So essentially what happened was once I thought you were a concealer, I gave less money. Now it's actually quite a bit. It was $2.73 on average as opposed to $3.46. And I know I know that's not like a huge amount of money, but as a percentage, it's actually a pretty big difference. Totally. And then by the time that gets tripled, yeah. that meant way less money came back as well. So by uh, hiding information, you essentially made it less likely that risks were taken and that money was tripled. Totally. And it's, it's great. Just to jump on the point that you're making now before it slips out of my mind, they're using money here because I guess it's, it's something that's easy for us to measure and to quantify that's and it. to relate to. However, what they're really talking about is trust. So what they're illustrating, even if we forget whether it's two, three or four dollars, you might be a bit like, I'm not really too bothered about a couple of dollars. That's fine. However, if you've now got a dynamic with someone, whether it's, let's say you're in the, on the dating market, you're in the job market, um, even if it's like with friends or family, if you're talking about the percentage of how much you can trust someone, that's massive. Like, like, like if you're talking in trust terms, Two or three dollars is a lot when it's like, this is our yeah. dynamic. Yeah. This is the two of us, how yeah. we relate, what I can share with you, yeah. what I guess I expect from you. Um, yeah. That's that. That's when you think of it as, oh, wow, yeah. these are the areas in which we could be damaging relationships, opportunities, where we're just maybe not as forthcoming with information. Because which, we think it's better to hide it. That's, that's and, the key thing. And I we also think found it's one of the most clever bits of all of these is how we're not saying that person A is like a sort of really lovely person that only does good things and never lies and so on. And person B says, um, I choose not to answer. What they're really comparing is somebody that says, I frequently do terrible things. And we're comparing that to somebody who says, like, I just don't want to say. Yeah. And it's like, we as a species, or at least in these studies across all these different people and all these different contexts, we seem to say, oh, if you're hiding it, then I'm not going to trust you. I don't even want you around. I don't want to hire you. I don't want to send money your way. I don't want to date you. And I think that there's something, again, counterintuitive about why does our gut say, lie, Mm. When the reality is, 
by revealing you're opening up relationships and creating trust. I, yeah, because I kind of see it as a like a defense mechanism. Can I tell you something that happened to me recently? Please do. My daughter, it all comes a bit down to an iPhone plug. Um, oh, this is about to get heavy now. Once you bring the is, accessories it in. It is an accessory. So I was sure that I lent her my iPhone plug until it was time to leave our vacation home. And I said, can I have it back? And she said, you didn't give it to me. And I was positive I did. And so we got into a bit of a tiff and I probably insulted her. And then funnily enough, Allison, my wife, came in and said, uh, no, it was me you gave it to. And so then I was in a pickle where I was wrong. I was 100% sure I was right, but now I'm wrong. And I insulted my daughter, essentially, saying, you're not trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I had the hardest time apologizing for something I did wrong, which everybody now knows I did wrong. There's just something weird about our psyches where it's like, my gut's telling me not to apologize. Well, of course you have to apologize. And it's a little like that here to me. It's like gut strongly saying lie when the evidence is the opposite. I, th- I think so as well as being like a defense. I think it might be like a control thing. And I'm just freeballing here. But I, I guess I'm thinking along this idea of not only are we trying to control other people's perception of us. We're also trying to control our surroundings and situations. And on top of that, we're trying to control how we feel about ourselves. So part of, I guess, if I can speak for you a bit, I guess part of it is, that's my my child. I shouldn't have to apologize to my child because I'm the... And even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter because I'm still the dad, you're the daughter. But then also there's this another level where you're reconciling that with yourself, where it's a bit of being a bit like, well... How do I now perceive my own judgment? Absolutely. Because I've got something completely wrong. Yes. Someone has told me I'm wrong. I've dismissed their account of what has happened. I found out I'm wrong. Now I need to reconcile that with myself, that I've just yes. spent yes. the X amount of yes. time yes. confidently walking around wrong and thinking I'm like king when I've been wrong the entire time. And I feel like that can be quite difficult. When it's time to like apologize, it's like we also have to like acknowledge within ourselves that we're flawed. Yes. Yes. And or because of an think- iPhone plug. <laughs> Damn, these appliances. These appliances, man. First they took all of our attention. Now that they're coming off. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I got it back. I know what you're worried about. I got it back. So, okay. So we're good there. A um, little bit of time left. Anything yep. that you want to make sure that we definitely cover in here? Like one of the things that I wanted to say, um, again, it's just important from a research perspective, is that in these studies, they not only, in some of these studies, they not only suspected it was due to trust, but they measured point blank how much do you trust this person. Yes. And then what they showed using this technique called mediation analysis, they proved that it actually was trust that was causing the effect to happen. So I don't really think that that's wildly different from what we've been saying, but I just wanted the listeners to understand that that wasn't just a supposition or a hypothesis that they kind of thought it was that. They literally measured the amount of trust and they were able to show that once you controlled for the trust, the effect of hiding the information went away. So really it's the trust doing that lifting or causing that Totally. Um, and I, yeah, I guess, um, like, so at the top of each episode, we shout out the, the title and the authors as well. And if it does sound like something you would be interested in, 
do try to get your hands on it because we Dan and I cover a fraction. There's so much more that we would love to like fully like friggin yes. chomp into, yes. but there is quite a lot of ground to cover. The other thing that I want to, I guess, as you tidied up that trust element as well, I think the other thing to, to be quite wary of, if you are listening to this, we're not going out and saying, bear your soul to everyone that you meet. Cause the research towards the end, when they, when they have the discussion section, uh, they talk about this idea of over disclosure. So if you're freely just exposing too much about yourself, especially if it's stuff where people can form a negative opinion of you, it can get to the point where now you're just over disclosing. So you're, you're damaging. Yeah. Oversharing. You're damaging your own reputation for no reason. I'm totally an oversharer. Actually, I stand on stage and I did like, like three or four times a week, I'm on stage yes. talking about things that no one asked about. And, and really I'm 100% and over. Yeah, really yeah, there's some stuff where I'm a bit like, yeah, if my parents were here, I'm not sure how this set would sound with my folks in the Take room. Take out the dirty stuff. Yeah. But yeah, but there is a Goldilocks zone where it's, um, it's like you do have to, as much as science can do, you still need to judge what your relationship is like with an individual. And also there is a difference between someone asking you a question, which you can answer as freely as you wish to, and someone, I guess, giving you options in terms of what to answer. So someone asking you about your relationship history, like, oh, what was your last relationship was like? That's a very open question. So you can choose to be a bit like, which parts of it am I going to kind of like sell, um, omit or conceal, or maybe save for later as well, which is also an option. Whereas if someone asks you a direct question, such as, did you cheat on your previous partner? Or have you ever done, I don't know, hard drugs? You now kind of like trying to be evasive or being like, I choose not to answer. That's where it's detrimental. So we're not saying go out and answer every question you're you asked. Know what's funny. They go didn't get it. into just lying. They, there's, a, there's a line about it in Isn't the end. But, but yeah, they because I think once they open that, I think uh -huh. this turns yes. into like it's a X whole amount of different yeah. study. That's right. Yeah, That's it right. turns into an entirely different study. I yeah. also think, just in ways of closing here, that sometimes life puts us in a position where we have to hide or reveal even though it's not an issue for us. Like one of the things is like, say Ooh, it these days, you don't have a Facebook um, account. Yep. It's kind of interesting because then most people do that I know. And so if somebody's like trying to like find me to whatever, watch one of my talks or something like that. And then there goes, oh wait, he doesn't have a Facebook account. Hmm, what's that mean about him? And so it almost looks like things are being hidden but there's no intentionality behind it. It's totally. just that the world has created a situation where most people are saying, doing, revealing, and you're not. Hmm. So now you're fishy. Where's your Instagram? Mm. What do you mean you're not showing pictures? What? Yeah, and it, I th I How find, am I supposed to know what you had for brunch over the weekend, Dan? That's the one. If you're not applying heavily filtered pictures and posting them onto Instagram, how do I know you were in London, Dan, over the weekend if I don't have photographic evidence of your every move? What is going on today? Okay, that's a whole different thing. The other, the other thing that I would say as well, I guess if, if we're, as we're chucking back one or two um, closing points as well, is try to apply a bit of guile 
when you are answering questions that are sensitive. You can be in a position where you don't necessarily want to divulge full information, but you can also, so for example, if you're not on Facebook and someone's a bit like, oh, I tried finding you on Facebook, you're not in there. You might just be a bit like, oh, you know, I choose not to use it for these reasons. So similar, if someone asks you a tough question, especially like with relationship history or maybe like drug use or finances, you can provide an answer that suggests that I will give you more information in time. I'm just not so comfortable yes. putting certain things forward at the moment, which is what was tough about this one is that in order for them to measure it, they did have to force the hand. But in real life interactions, there is more space to be a bit like, look, like I've had one or two experiences with drugs, but I'd rather not talk about it just yet for, you know, for personal reasons. And I think someone might hear something like that and be a bit like, oh, I'm intrigued. I want to gain their trust more. Someday I could hear these crazy stories. Get their dealer yeah, I'm going to, I want to get there. <laughs> oh, we definitely, okay. Before we get too, before we wade too deep into the waters of recreational drug use and I start oversharing. <laughs> Get me out of here, Dan. <laughs> Why don't we do that on our next episode where we just jam? We just oh, totally, totally. Oh, this has been so much fun. What a joy! Uh, let's say thank you one last time to the authors and kind of sign off here. Again, we have Leslie John, thank you, Kate Barretts, thank you, and Michael Norton, thank you very much. Awesome, and thank you, listeners, for rocking with us. Yeah.